so welcome back to another episode of the Social Angle Podcast. As always, I'm super excited that you're here. So me and Vin geeked out this week because we finally got to meet, um, though sadly virtually, hopefully it'll be in person real soon, um, but we were happy to record a conversation that was so much fun with Bill Petrie. So for those of you in the promotional products industry who don't know who Bill is, um, if there's still anybody out there that doesn't, he is the founder and managing partner of Brandivate. So, but he has had a very long and prolific career in the promotional products industry. He is such a cool guy, so down to earth, so much fun to talk to. And we wanted to speak with him specifically about brand activations and influencer marketing, which he leveraged very successfully last year um, during the height of the pandemic over the summer in part to launch um, Brandivate. So we wanted to kind of dive into how he picked um, his list of influencers, what promotional products he chose and why, what were some of the social media marketing strategies that helped with engagement that created buzz and demand for his brand and its launch. So we can't wait to dive into this episode. So let's get started. Social Angle Podcast. I feel so welcome. Listen, Vin, uh, huge fans. Am honored to be on the podcast. So let's go. Let's just jump right in. Let's do this. Well, how are you doing, first of all? And what's what's new in Tennessee? What's going on down there? How's the weather? Um, weather's great. I'm doing great. It's it's spring has sprung, which means you know one of the things I love about living in Tennessee, and I've lived in the north. I've lived in in Texas. We get four true seasons here. So we're in actual spring, which means for the next six to eight weeks, the highs will be in the mid 70s, the low will be in the mid 50s on a continual basis. So that makes me very happy. That means I get to sit in my backyard, listen to music, barbecue some food, and just kind of watch the world go by. So it's definitely one of my happier times of the year. Uh, things are going well. I've got 18 uh, year old twin boys who, uh, are about to head off to college. So um, I, I did want to discuss payment for this podcast afterwards because <laughs> um, goodness knows I need it. Um, but to just kind of, you know, watching the world go by feels like things are opening up and I hope you guys are experiencing the same in uh, Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's been so nice. Like the weather has allowed me to be more outside. Like I've been gardening and it's just been so great to have a break from, you know, just moving like from one corner to, of your house to another, as I'm sure you guys know. <laughs> oh, yeah. We do road trips once a week to our dining room. It's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, I did a real road trip last week with the family, took them down to Florida. Um, and I'll tell you something. Anyone who says that driving 18 hours down to Florida with a four-year-old in a car is relaxing. It's not. It's not, but look, the weather was nice down there. It was, it was funny. We got warm weather in the beginning of the week. And then towards the end of the week, it was as cold down there. When I say cold air quotes, you know, it was like high in the sixties as it was up here in the Northeast. So, um, you know, it was an interesting trip. Um, we had a lot of fun though. It's nice to get, a, good. get out of the yeah, house. Good. You got out. I can tell you all sorts of real fun horror stories about traveling on road trips with twins when they were infants. Oh it's my real God. Hoot. We'll save that one for another podcast. Anyway, another we got a podcast. great topic today. We have brand activations and influencer marketing. So let's get right into it, Bill. You've been in the industry for 21 years. Is that correct? Yep. My 21st year. 21st year. So why don't you tell us a little bit what inspired you to launch Brandivate last year in 2020? Um, I'm not that smart. Uh, <laughs> no, I, you know, my business partner, Kelsey Cunningham and I, who we both worked at, at Promo Corner, uh, she was the creative director there. I was president. We, we saw a gap in the industry when it came to marketing. Uh, it's really a lack of effective marketing and branding in our industry. There's, there's very little elegance about the marketing in our industry. Uh, there's almost no storytelling. We always call it here at Brandivate, it's the ocean of obvious. And what it is, you know, marketing for most suppliers is some variation of six to seven products on a virtual eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper that uh, has you know, micro font pricing codes attached to it. And let's send that to distributors and hope they actually show our product. And I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but that doesn't strike me as the most effective way to move merchandise. There's no why. And so 
looking at what was happening during, you know, the, the beginning stages of COVID when so many people were making cuts in their organizations, generally one of the first cuts in any sort of recession is marketing. Um, it's an, you know, it's one of those weird, and I think we might talk about this later. There's one of those weird things. It's hard to tie ROI to it. So it's very easy to say, that's just an expense. Let's go ahead and cut that off. And because we saw that gap, we decided, you know, we feel like we're, we're dumb enough to think we know what we're doing. Let's go ahead and start a company in the middle of a pandemic because, I mean, why not? And, and I joke about that. And in retrospect, I think it was actually the best time to do it. We, we both do. Because, again, we saw that gap and we were immediately able to hopefully establish credibility, establish expertise and deliver on the promise of what we do here at Brandvate, which is innovate, elevate, and uh, motivate. So, I, you know, we, we think we did that. So our goal is really in what we want to do, what we saw the gap was help suppliers and distributors create the why. Why would someone buy a product from you as opposed to 27 of your other competitors who have either exactly the same product or essentially the same product. They're all coming from the same place in China. You know, they might have a very little difference here and there, but on the distributor side, they're all the same products, right? I mean, if you're, if you're a distributor or a supplier trying to sell to distributors, why would they buy it from you as opposed to somebody else? So what we really do is try to uh, really communicate the story, communicate the why, so people actually create, uh, we can drive some brand preference. Right, so you, you guys started the business after the pandemic, correct? Yes, the pandemic, what started, I guess, what's called March 20th-ish. Yep. We started uh, mid-July. Mid so you conceived it after the pandemic as well. It wasn't like you were working on it prior to the pandemic and the pandemic happened and you were just like... No, okay. no, it was, it, the, the, the pandemic definitely was a catalyst, no, no question. Um, right. And then, you know, as, you know, she, she was out of a job and I was unhappy um, in my position and so it just, you know, the more we started talking about it, I'd, I'd say we started conceiving it probably pretty early April, you know, just, okay, what would this look like? What services would we offer? Who would buy this? How do we create an experience that people would be willing to pay for again and again and again? So, you know, knowing that we both had hopefully some credibility in the industry, you get one chance to really play that before you have to prove yourself. Right. And, and so we were very cognizant of that and very careful with that. And honestly, like your launch, like your activation uh, for Brandivate was so cool to see. Like I, I give you guys nothing but props because like what a ballsy move, especially during a pandemic, like it's hard enough to have the courage to go out on your own, but to do it under such, you know, wild circumstances. I applaud you both. So I really wanted to talk about that, like your launch sure. last year, because I feel like you utilized influencer marketing, social media, and user-generated content to really create buzz and interest, which, mm -hmm. you know, we want for brands because it leads to demand. So from the conception of what you guys wanted to do for this rollout and activation to the execution, can you walk us through that? Absolutely. So, you know, we wanted to do something, right? You want to create, like you said, you want to create that buzz. You want to create that splash. And how, how do you do that? And the first thing we thought of, we want to leverage promo to promote what we do as an industry. And we all joke about this. We are really good. And I was a distributor for 15 years before I was a service provider. We all are very good at telling our clients how to use promotional products to leverage their uh, to, to, you know, support their goals, to achieve their, uh, you know, uh, uh, what they want to achieve. We do a horrible job of using it ourselves. And so it becomes very tricky. How do you use promo to promote this launch of a company to a jaded audience? Right? <laughs> we, we, we all remember the first time we walked into an ASI Orlando show or an ASI Chicago show. And you're just like, wow, this is amazing. And then two years later, seeing that, seeing that, oh, that's the same thing as all last year with a blinky light. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so we all get very jaded with that. So it, it became, so Kelsey and I started talking and then we uh, had a, uh, a friend of ours who also contributed to it, uh, Josh Robbins from Vault Promotions, who's here in Nashville, is a close friend of, of mine and Kelsey's. And so between the three of us, you know, that, I don't remember exactly how the conversation started, but it was, we need to have a week we're going to call it Brandvocate Week, and we need to create uh, exclusivity 
and how do we do that? And, and this was Josh's idea. I have to give Josh the credit for this and, and this is the Brandvocate card. So we came, he came up with an idea. What if we used membership cards? And so we decided to make metal membership cards. We identified about 30 influencers in the promotional products industry, your usual suspects. I mean that with all manner of love, your Dana Zezos, your Charity Gibsons, Kirby Hossam, Meg Herber, David Schultz, Kenny Ved, Charles Dugan, Brett Schaefer, Mandy Rudd, Roger Burnett, Mark Graham, Lori Eaton, and I could go on and on. And we did a random wheel and gave everybody membership numbers. So I have my brand Vicket card right here that I'm showing if you're watching on video. And it is, I'm number two. Yes, that's right. Kelsey is brand brand Vicket number one. I get reminded on a daily basis what my place <laughs> is in, in this company. Awesome. And uh, and we can't, so we want people to hold on to this. So on the back, it says the bearer of this card holds no ownership and retains no rights other than the sincere gratitude of the brand of eight managing partners for being a brand advocate. However, if you show this card to one of the managing partners is within 50 feet of a bar, there's a good chance they will purchase you an adult beverage with a cost not to exceed $9 and 50 cents. And so we will go and people have said, I've got my card and we buy them a beer, buy them a drink. And so that became fun. And so what we decided to do is let's make it a week. And we had to come up with products that were cost effective because this, you know, we did not call any suppliers and say, well, you get this for us for free. That felt wrong. I've always felt suppliers are wrongly funding the entire industry. Um, and so I will never ask for a freebie. I just won't. Um, and so we came up with, you know, day one was the, the brand of eight card and in, in, in a couple of uh, brand of eight pens, writing utensils. Tuesday was t-shirts, got to have a t-shirt. And it was just a, a nice uh, SNS activewear t-shirt, Bella canvas t-shirt. And then Wednesday was we used uh, can koozies, a metal can koozie that I'm holding right there. I actually have still one of everything. I have one of everything still. Uh. Uh, Thursday, we use coasters, something to put your, uh, your drinks on. I'm not holding, there we go, holding it sort of right. And then Friday was, because we do the brand of vape beverage of the week, we did uh, uh, logoed uh, whiskey rocks. Oh, nice. And so we, we identified our people. We got, had everything shipped here to Nashville. I personally packed every single one, getting the shirt sizes right and everything else. And we came up with a small placard. Uh, that basically told what we were doing. But what we did is we just gave suggestions. We told them what day we wanted them to use the product on social media, but whatever they did with it was completely up to them. And so that was all we expected. We hoped, okay, we'll drag this out for a week. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. We'll get some fun out of it. I got to tell you, because we were purposefully vague, because we had a slight schedule but more importantly, we, because we turned them loose, it was amazing. So on Monday, we had people drawing little pictures of our logo or drawing pictures of me or Kelsey with the pens and people getting upset. Well, why am I brand of a kit number 21 and that person's number 16? So it became this weird competition. That took on a life of its own. And on Tuesday, everybody did t-shirt, wore the t-shirt. So that was kind of cool to see everybody wearing our t-shirts on Tuesday. Wednesday, it started really getting, getting bizarre uh, in a good way. When Brett Schaefer does a frame-for-frame uh, -frame version of Phoebe Cates getting out of the pool during Fast Times at Ridgemont High, holding the can cooler with the Cars song in the background, you know you're in for something. Dun, Danny Exactly. I love that. Oh, who, who doesn't love that scene? All right. Oh, that's great. It's great. And then Dana Geiger used this can cooler and put a bottle of vodka on it and said, Bill and Kelsey, I think my, my can cooler is broken. Things like that. Then on Thursday, and it, we use coasters. And I mean, it's not the most exciting product in the world, but A, again, we're, we're a startup. We're on a budget. And B, it's light and mailable, right? Yeah. And people started making these great videos and Josh Robbins did this awesome video of him trying to use a coaster and he just called, this is really a shitty Frisbee. I want my money back. <laughs> and, and just kept trying to throw, throw it as a Frisbee. And then Friday was great. People used the whiskey rocks and you had Meg Erber and Stephen McFadden and, and uh, Charity Gibson do this almost like uh, three screen pour of a drink across oh, the cool. country to toast us. You had David Schultz 
write and perform an original song uh, for Brand Advocate Week where he (laughs) kind of recapped everything that week. And so it took on this bizarre life of its own. Um, We could never have expected that. But it became, go ahead. No, so so you sent this out to all these, you know, Mm-hmm. what'd you call them again influencers influencers yeah. mm-hmm. and you let them know that we that you wanted them to use social media yes to promote these we, products. Get, we we provided a hashtag use social media however you want to do it and honestly i don't think we got any work done that week because we want to make sure to keep up and engage that's key we want to ex- ex- sure. engage and express our gratitude but you know kelsey happened to actually travel from houston she's in houston and she came to, to nashville that week as we launched and we put down our phones for like half hour and you'd pick up and the notifications were just, it was just a big ball of red all over the phone. And right, right. So it just was truly amazing. And so we, we, you know, then we decided we have to award some people things. We have to like sure. thank people. And so we picked the most creative thing, the most funniest thing. And we sent them um, from office space, a swing line nice. red stapler because it just <laughs> happened to be by my desk. And we thought it was funny. So his name was Milton, right? Milton. (laughs) Milton, That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, so did you, (laughs) that actor was actually really good. It's funny because he was, I forget his name, but that was the first time I'd ever seen seen him in anything. Mm -hmm. And then when I saw him in other things, I said, there's no way that's the same guy, but it was. Um, It it is the same guy. Yeah. He's awesome. Um, So back to um, these products that you sent out, did you send these out? before the brand was actually out there did you did you announce brand yeah, so yet? yeah we did so we launched or we we announced the launch on uh july the 6th okay in brand which was a monday and so uh, again i went to texas a&m so math is not my forte but two weeks after that monday july the 11th um whatever the 11th, was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, <laughs> i don't know but july 16th i think it was july 16th yeah. i don't know or by, 18, 10 12 19, whatever it was i don't know two weeks later that was when the, the launch week was uh to to do brand Bucket week so we launched the company on the sixth and then we sent out the boxes and i made sure everybody got their boxes the friday before brand Bucket week so if they had any questions or anything and again we tried to keep it pretty self-explanatory but in the same moment pretty pretty vague so people could have their own creative fun and i, I gotta tell you we're, we were blown away by it. we're gonna do it again um, we're, we're planning on doing this every year, you know, but it did get to a point where at the end of the week, we're like, man, I'm actually tired of seeing our nice. logo. <laughs> so so let me, everybody else is at that fatigue. Let me ask you about like, what, what was your expectation in terms of measuring the s- success of this campaign? W- were you, did you have metrics in mind or were you just looking to, to get any type of buzz on social media and which social network was pro- was the most used yeah. by uh, the influencers? Yeah, I had expectations that the Cones would reach out and make a big offer for Brandivate. That didn't happen. Not yet, um, right? Not yet. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, our expectations were um, we really wanted to make sure people knew what we were doing. Right. It's, it's uh, you know, it was a very strange time. I mean, when you look at when we actually did the Brandvocate Week, it was the height of the pandemic. We're talking mid-July. And when I, when I think when we all look back, I think we'll all look at the summer. Nothing was really back to normal yet in terms of you didn't have a lot of sports on TV. No one was going. Everything was really shut down. There was no uh, vaccine on the horizon. It was pretty bleak time for lack of a better term and so it was it was probably not the best time to launch or maybe it was i don't know our our goal was we need business i mean bottom line we need to sell services and so our goal was get get that out there for a week and then hopefully because it's really just an inbound marketing strategy when you really boil it down and i i can honestly say you know we really not only you know, the engagement, that all feels good and everybody loves you and they're so, our people are so wonderful in our industry. It's one of the reasons I love this industry. Everybody we selected just played along so wonderfully. But so we had all the clicks and, and the feel goods. We had all the, the non-traditional ROI. It, it felt great. But at some point, it's like, yeah, we need to do some work and make some money. And so very quickly, we started getting a lot of inbound inquiries due to uh, the brand Brandivate launch or the Brandvocate launch week, I, I could say. And honestly, we've made it a product. So we're actually working with some companies now on 
launches they're doing. They want to mimic what we did. And so we've made it a product, which is a very difficult thing when you're a service provider, have something that's somewhat off the shelf. So the success, Vin, we didn't have to make one cold call to get business. I, we have not, you know, there's two of us and there's a lot to be done. There's a website, we, you know, there's the content creation we always keep up with. There's the actual work that needs to be done. There's the planning of, you know, how do we get more business? There's very little time to actually, who do I target? Because I think they need our help. And so we all, I can tell you all of our initial business came from a direct result of that launch. People saying, I saw what you guys did. That's amazing. That's the, one of the most creative uses of, of promotional products in our industry. And you did it within the world of promo. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm honored by those type of accolades. So, you know, I could say, like I said, all that business really came in as a direct result of, of our launch. And, and I don't mind saying that. I'm, I'm proud of that. Um, as far as the, the, the social channel people engage most on, it's the one we hate the most, Facebook, right? <laughs> um, and because everybody lives there. It's yeah. a drug. It's a drug. Everybody lives there. And then I'd say we saw quite a bit on uh, Instagram though, too. Okay. I'd say Instagram was a pretty close second because we kind of suggested, hey, do some pictures with this and here's a hashtag. It lends itself perfectly for Instagram. I don't know if we got any engagement on LinkedIn or did I, I don't know if anybody posted anything on LinkedIn um, or Twitter. Um, but I do think there was also some things within the uh, common skew social environment as well. Sure. I think honestly, like that's just so awesome to hear, but I wanted to kind of go back to you saying picking the mm -hmm. right people. Cause I think that's key mm -hmm. with something like this is the struggle for most people. Um, I feel like when there's ever a PR box sent, any type of kit or anything where there's a CTA that you want somebody to engage with organically with your social, it's getting them to participate. So do you have any tips or tricks for vetting people that you would like to work with for maybe a similar campaign for our mm -hmm. audience? Cause I'm sure that would be really helpful for them. Yeah, no question. I, I think you, you pick people who are, you, you pick a couple different groups of people. You, you, you can pick the people who are active on social. That's the obvious one, right? The people who are on everything, they engage everywhere, they're, they're visible. Those are the very easy ones to pick out. You know, the person that always comes to mind when I say that is Charity Gibson, right? Charities everywhere. And, and I take it as a source of pride. Like when I can answer a question before she can a promotional product professionals, <laughs> I feel like I've either done something really right or really wrong, but I've done it. Um, but all kidding aside, she's everywhere. So she's a natural choice. And then you have, you know, so you have a group of people like that, but then there's a group of people, maybe not as active on social, um, but they're fun and they're creative, whether people know it or not. And so you start looking at that group of people, your Brett Schaefer's, you know, I don't think Brett people, maybe they do now. I'm friends with Brett. I've known Brett for years. I've known his dad for years. And what, you know, Brett, I didn't think Brett would go full on Phoebe Cates uh, for the launch, but I'm not surprised he did something out there and fun. Right. Um, David Schultz falls in that category. David Schultz is an incredibly creative person, not the most active guy on social. And so he, I think he was actually out of town for a couple of days that week and it's fine. Right. No, no harm, no foul. But then when he, he wrote an original song and put a video up for us, you know, so you pick something like that. I think you really want to make sure you pick people who aren't afraid to embrace a little bit of, of silliness and a little bit of fun. Um, and you want to pick people who don't like to be told what to do. Yeah. That's the, probably the biggest key. Um, we intentionally decided we are not going to script this because if we do, it's going to feel forced. Right. Everybody's going to do the same type of thing. And so we intentionally pick people who don't like to be told what to do, but, you know, also a little suggestions. Okay. Too. And, and what happens is you get and the last thing is pick people who are competitive right? We knew that right away when people were comparing the brand card numbers and how some people were truly butthurt that they didn't <laughs> it, you know, weren't number whatever. And so you'd see, well, if Brett Schaefer is going to do that, I'm going to do this. And if Josh Robbins is going to do, you know, make a video about shitty Frisbees, then I'm writing a song or I'm going to do this. And so you pick, you, you, you pick that, those people 
And what's also good is if they're somehow, the people you pick are somehow connected. So we have that as a very easy thing because it's, you know, we're all connected by the promotional products industry, but a lot of those people know each other. They're evil, either has served on Promo Kitchen together, or they've served on regional boards together, or they, they work in uh, competing companies, but they collaborate. All those types of things, when you do things like that, it really kind of creates a magic. Now, it's one of those things, it's kind of like, you know, baking a cake is chemistry. And if you ever watch like Chopped or anything like that, and I'm a big foodie. And so I watch those shows. I'm always amazed when they just start like throwing baking soda and baking powder in there and sugar and they don't measure it. And sometimes it doesn't work out and sometimes it won't work out. So there's a little bit of a chemistry experiment when you, you create the group of people. But my suggestions would be, you know, people who are active on social, who are fun, who are creative, don't like to be told what to do and that they're competitive and keep it at a small amount. Don't, I wouldn't do any more than 25, 25 to 30. Okay. Beyond that, it's, uh, it, it gets, it gets a little hairy. Yeah, Bill, I mean, it sounds like a lot of thought went into this. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about what you said about the numbers. Now, yeah. you guys put those numbers on there, knowing that there was going to be a competitive level there. Like what, what was we, the original we, intention? Those the original numbers? intention was let's create some exclusivity. Yeah. Okay. Let's create a card and it's, it's, it's metal. Right. So we want to create something that people would actually keep in their wallet. And that's why I have the call to action on the back. You show this to me at a trade show. If I'm walking ASI Chicago here in a few, few months, um, and you show me your brand book card, I am compelled to buy you an alcoholic beverage. <laughs> right. So how, I mean, how do you determine the rank though? Uh, that's what we're, we're on. Okay. So we found a like wheel of fortune, uh, thing on the internet and you put everybody's name in uh, okay. and you spun it. And so Kelsey and I flipped a coin for who's number one and who's number two. Gotcha. She won the coin flip. And then after that, it was game on. It was random and, generated. Okay. Yeah. And, and the one thing we didn't anticipate, which I should have touched on earlier, is there were people who were upset and felt left out. Why, why wasn't I chosen to be part of this? Um, yeah, where's, one of those my, old, where's my car? Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm looking for my metal it's, card. It's oh, wait. over here. <laughs> there. Um, well, here's the thing. We're going to do another launch. Like I said, second, second brand. Week. Well, during the first one, when we, people were like, where's mine? Where's mine? We very quickly within an hour, I set up on our website, a microsite. And because we had leftovers, we had leftover t-shirts. We had leftover can coolers, leftover things. And we had about 30 of them. And so set it up saying, if you're interested, I would, we would just send it directly to people, go here, fill this out, get their name, their address, shirt size and all that. And then we would send those out. Once that was exhausted, it was exhausted. So there are people who got brand bucket cards there. Now this year we're going to do probably do another brand bucket card. It'll look different. It's not going to be the original. It has to look a little different, but it'll have the same little, you know, show us, show us this and you know, you'll get something. I don't know what it is. Maybe it'll be a drink. Maybe it'll be a bag of popcorn. I just don't know yet. Yeah, those but, are those are um, collectors' items now. Yeah, so. These are collectors' items. It's like a rookie <laughs> card. It's like a rookie <laughs> card. But yeah, so we 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 knew that there's going to be some people um, that were like, "Well, I don't. I, how come they're higher than me?" And that I think the funniest one again, we're human. We make mistakes. Both David Schultz and Brett Schaefer ended up with the same number. And, you know, of course I was mortified, you know, how could we, that happen? I thought we went through this, but it's a spreadsheet. You keep looking at it over and over. So David, they decided David would keep his number and Brett got his number of choice. So Brett is now brandvocate number 69 and I will just leave it at. (laughs) No judgment here. All right. So none question. No, no, no judgment. And um, let's, let's, let's move on. From that <laughs> number 69 because we can go in different directions on that one all right so you're arguably and i put that in air quotes because you know it's not definitive you're arguably the king of content in this industry right no <laughs> who came up with that <laughs> so what does inbound marketing mean to you and have you always utilized it in your business strategy yeah i'd say the king of contents kirby uh my you know he's my he, partner on promo front i i you know i i pounds wish- out the content yes he, he does. And uh, it's something I admire in Kirby. He, he dedic- he's dedicated to it. I, how, he's a king of content. I'm probably the kernel of consistency. <laughs> the kernel I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll be the kernel of consistency. Um, I mean, Kirby's really 
the king of content. I'm just here to ride his coattails. Um, inbound marketing. So it's, what it means to me is it's a sales process whereby I'm not selling, right? And so, like I mentioned earlier, there's only two of us and there's only so many hours in the day and she's busy with her family. Kelsey is, I'm busy with my family and other things. So there's only so many hours in the day to get work done and sales has to be part of that work that, that, you know, we have to have a pipeline of potential clients, but we knew that for this to work, we would need our inbound marketing strategy to really crush it for us. Um, and that was part of the brand advocate week launch, you know, what we love about inbound marketing and, and the way it's worked for us, it allows people to get about 75% through the sales funnel before they even contact us. And I'm fine with that. It gets people, allows people to know who we are. Uh, they get some sense of our culture because of the type of content we share. Hopefully it allows us to establish expertise and we can share the results in the, of the work we do in the form of testimonials. And so by sharing all that and being transparent, so to me, being in inbound marketing is a very transparent marketing effort. It's not to, to look at me, to me, inbound marketing is really hand in hand with content marketing. It's giving first, it's sharing those things. It's, and, and I think we'll talk about that, but it's that 80, 20 rule of giving more than you ask. So 80% of the time, you know, the whole Gary Vaynerchuk, rule of thumb. It's jab, 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 punch, give, 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 ask. And that's really the way our marketing has worked. And so we publish a blog every Monday um, that hopefully inspires some people or educates people, or maybe sometime entertains people on Tuesdays. We've done this thing called t-shirt Tuesday. It's the most iconic promotional product out there, even the, and it should have won the whole final four thing. We got to talk about that. I got a real big problem with the seating there. I got a huge problem with that. I talked to Michelle Bell about that and she knows I am hot under the fake basketball collar about that whole thing. Rigged, 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 fake contest, fake news, fake all. T-shirts, um, I know. What were they, nine? What was the, I forget. Yeah, that's, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed, <laughs> but we do, we do t-shirt Tuesday on Wednesdays. What we've traditionally done, that's been our ask day. We just started something a few weeks ago as Kelsey's brainchild called wondering Wednesday, wondering whatever happened to the weird products we grew up with. And I think last week was, um, well, the first one, or, yeah, the first one was jolt cola, I think. Mm -hmm. And then most recently we did remember, um, freshen up gum where you'd bite and mm -hmm. squeeze and squeeze oh but, yeah yeah but you remember they had the weird ones with dr pepper and seven yep. up i was wondering what happened to those so it usually is revolved around food um i think we did franken stuff melissa's oh way God, too young yes. to remember franken stuff it's a hot dog hot stuffed with chili oh no <laughs> yeah it's just as bad as thing and then on thursdays we do a 10 song collaborative playlist um and we invite people to add hey you know what, what i think last week uh, or this week as we're recording, it's songs about spring. So we have 10, I pick five songs, Kelsey picks five songs, and we invite everybody to jump along. We did one that was cover songs, which was amazing. I think we added, ended up being like 150 songs on there. People added, which wow. And then Friday, we drop the promo front podcast with me and Kirby. And then um, the uh, brand of eight beverage of the week, which I've been doing for about six years now, every Friday at 4.30 Eastern. So, you know, all so all that content marketing is inbound marketing all that stuff is right. what we're talking about and every piece of business we have every single one is a direct result of our inbound marketing i don't know any other organization that can say that you're the I king of content i don't yeah, know kirby no, I think i'm the colonel of consistency so 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 cool and i wanted to actually kind of dive into that like a little bit more yeah. in depth because i feel like honestly in me being in this industry for a year and speaking to multiple promotional products professional you're the only one that i've been able to you know hear kind of a direct roi so for you at yeah. brandivate how are you and kelsey measuring you know the yeah. success or the roi um for your content and inbound marketing strategy yeah, it's hard. I'll be honest with you. I'm human. So it's really hard not to chase likes and comments. So, you yeah. know, you, sometimes you throw things out there and, and it, you, it's met with a collective yawn from your target audience right. and that stinks sometimes, but I'm a big believer. If, if one person comments, 10 people are thinking the same thing. 
And so I try to keep that in mind and not chase the, that dopamine rush of, wow, people like my stuff because I'm human and that does happen. It's really the continual activity on the sales end that shows the, the ROI, the podcast and the blog. Our largest client, I mean, it's had a huge compact, a, a huge, huge, huge impact. Our largest client right now, when they came to us, they called us and said, I'm calling because I really like what you have to say on the promo front podcast with, with Kirby. Our largest quote that we have out there, and fingers crossed, maybe we land this. This is from outside the industry as well. And it's a, it could be a huge client for us. It's a result of our daily content marketing. T-shirt Tuesday, Wondering Wednesday, the, the beverage of the week stuff. So like I said, that the impact, 100% of our business comes from it. We are averaging right now two to three biz, new business opportunities a week of people reaching out to us. That is, is in an, you know, I, I'd say our conversion rates probably around 33 to 40%. So pretty good conversion rate. Yep. And it's, so I, I don't know what other ROI honestly matters. So I, I don't have a big enough ego. I, I don't care. Of course, I'd love people to listen to the podcast and read what I write and all that and, you know, engage with our social postings. But at the end of the day, if we're not actually doing, getting people to come in to at least listen to our sales pitch um, and see where we could possibly help them and then actually do the work for them that matters because that's very important to us. I don't know what else, what other ROI really matters. And I mean, going off that, I wanted to ask because I feel like you jumped on a trend before it became popular in our industry, just from, you know, mm -hmm. some of the things that I've seen you talk about in the start of your career, how has embracing content marketing and inbound marketing strategy affected maybe the traditional sales process that yeah. you use? Like what tactics have you scaled back on or what do you still use? Or is it all just content and inbound? You know, it's, it's, it's mostly content inbound because I found that's what works. So, you know, when I was a consultant before, um, before I went to promo corner, I used content marketing because I, I had been in the industry 15 years. I knew people, but people didn't know me. I didn't have a name. I didn't have uh, any sort of established expertise. It didn't make me smarter or dumber than I was the day before, but I, I made a decision to, I'm going to start putting my thoughts out there. Those, those conversations we all have in the corner of the bar about, hey, suppliers really get ripped off in our industry and distributors really need to realize they're working on very thin margins and that they don't have just a ton of money just to spend on everything like everybody thinks they do. Things like that. And I started putting those thoughts out there and it, it is immediately, I found an audience that was eager to hear what I'd say. Well, I think Dana Zezzo said to me once, he goes, you know what people like about you? And I'm like, oh gosh, I don't know if I wanna hear this at all. And he said, you're willing to say what everybody else is thinking. And I'm like, I kind of like that. And I, cool. I do, you know, you get to a certain age and you get enough of a, you know, I don't care in my back pocket. Um, I don't care. I, there, you know, there's right and wrong in my mind and there's good and bad and, and I'm okay talking about those things. And so how it's evolved over time, there was a time I wrote two blogs a week. And, and for me, and I tend to write, in-depth blog. I'm a bit, I love to write. Writing's always been cathartic for me. And so sometimes it takes me a long time to write a blog. It takes someone three minutes to read it or two minutes to, to read half of it and decide it stinks or whatever. But it takes me sometimes two, three, four hours to do it because I want it right. Words matter. I, I, I'm very particular about the words I use and the context they're used in. And so I've had to scale back on that, you know, just because it's just from a time perspective. Right. Yeah, Bill, um, I've read a lot of your stuff and, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, shower you with compliments, but you're a really good writer. Do you have a background in writing? Thank you. No, thank you. That's a very lovely compliment, Vin. Thank yeah. you. And I'm a huge admirer of what you all do at ASI and the things you guys do. I'm, I'm an enormous fan of, of the editorial department at ASI and all of ASI. And that's not me sucking up either. Although brand debate, you know, could be had for a good price. I'm, just <laughs> um, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, you know, I don't have a background in writing. I've always just enjoyed writing and I write for me. Um, I, I've dabbled with, okay, maybe I should write a book. People have been asking me to write a book, but I don't know what it'd be about. Uh, I feel like I'd just be taking a bunch of blogs and sure. stapling them together and saying, hey, here's my book. <laughs> um, but I, I, I just find 
writing to be that that real catharsis for me it's something sure. i can control it's not a conversation i get to control the narrative which way it goes how i want it to you know how i want it to end and all that stuff so no it's just something uh god-given gift and I, i'm so thankful that i i have it as as kelsey will always say all right word guy let's go write something <laughs> need, need something here when we're working on client projects that's really awesome. May I ask you, because you are so prolific in the amount of content that yeah. you create, is there any channel or, you know, any type of new or traditional media that you just haven't had the chance yet because you're one person to dive into yet, or you have your sites maybe set on for the future as you scale your company? Yeah, I, I, I want to do something in video, some sort of quick hit, one minute, two minute video thing, maybe every other week. And I just haven't done it yet. Okay. Um, it, not, not because, you know, it's not not a laziness. Uh, I'm a serial doer. Um, it's more of I just haven't found really where I want that to live. I, obviously, on Brandivate, but I don't know how I'd want to do it. So it's different than what other people are doing. Um, you know, Kirby does a Monday minute uh, for for Promo Corner every Monday, and I want it to be different than that. And I've talked to him about it. I'm like, I this I, does this feel different to you? Because I don't. And he, he's thinks it does. I'm not sure. And so I'd like to do more in video, um, you know, I, I mainly because it's more consumable. Not everybody wants to read the dronings of Bill. And I understand that not everybody wants to listen to Kirby and I banter back and forth on our podcast. Not, e not everybody wants to listen to Kelsey and I on our podcast, because we have a podcast we do on occasion called the What the Hell Are We Doing podcast, where we talk very transparently what it's like to have run a business right now. And we're figuring it out as we go. So I, I do think there needs to be a different piece of content out there, but right now it's, it's time and I just haven't figured out exactly what it's going to be. Although I'm very interested in holograms. I'd like to do something in yes, holograms. Yes, <laughs> Probably be like the this. first bill. Uh, <laughs> I'd be the, the first and worst to yeah, do the holograms. And the best, if you look at it that uh, way. I, first and only. <laughs> All right, Bill. So we're almost out of time. Um, my son who's home because we took him to Disney last week and he's quarantined. So we got a right. house full of kids. They're all like quieter than they've ever been for the last hour. So let's wrap this up. Okay. A fun question. You're a big Van okay. Halen fan like myself. I am. See the Eddie Van Halen guitar right behind yep. you there. So I'm going to, I'm going to hit you with three quick questions. I, I am I am giddy with anticipation. I'm like a Girl Scout on Cookie Sunday. Let's go. Awesome. And Melissa, you can chime in as well. Okay. David Lee Roth or Sammy Hagar? Yes. Um, I am lead singer agnostic when it comes to Van Halen. Although oh. we won't talk. We won't talk about the Gary Sharon era. Both oh, are, yes. it, it's Gary Sharon. So here, yeah. Here's the deal, Van. As you well know, Van Halen with David Lee Roth and Van Halen with Sammy Hagar are two radically different bands. They really, really are. I agree. A lot of a lot of people like to blame Sammy Hagar for the the keyboard introductions and all that. <laughs> Eddie Eddie was going that way anyway. Yeah, he was. I agree. I mean, if you so, I, I'd say these days, I have a soft spot in my heart for Sammy. I probably I've seen Van Halen with Sammy Hagar more times than I have with David Lee Roth, but I, I still think there's there's something so magical about the friction and disharmony in that David Lee Roth fronted band that resulted in such creative, uh, such a creative powerhouse. I mean, those, those song, those albums, those first four albums or first six albums, I should say, hold up today. You listen to Van Halen one today, it sounds just as fresh as it did then. If you listen to uh, 5150 today, great album, but man, does it smell like my parents' uh, carpet from the 80s. So <laughs> unfortunately, sometimes the production of the, the songs suffer. I agree. I'm, I'm a David Lee Roth guy. I don't dislike Sammy Hagar. I think Sammy Hagar is a better singer, but you're right. There's yeah. some, there was something about David Lee Roth and the, the chemistry or lack thereof in the yeah. band because there was a lot of tension in that band and, and it created um, a lot of friction. It created a lot of media. But yep. also, those albums with David Lee Roth, all of them are really, really good. Okay. They're, they're untouchable. 
So David Lee Roth all day, just because I'm somebody who I like the performance aspect and I've seen like Sammy like live on video and stuff like that. I just don't see like the acrobatics, the like, like, I think for a frontman, you have to have like a certain type of mojo and like David did that for me. So like I listened to their early albums. I've heard stuff from Sammy. I just don't kind of like his voice personally. You know what I, I get mean? That. Like I, you know? Yeah, it's a bit I, caustic. I, um, yeah, it's like, it reminds me more like of light, heavy metal. Like that yeah. late oh, 80s, like, yeah. 90s when like people were trying to be like grunge, but metal, but like your mom could listen to it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, like hair yeah. metal. Yeah. Like hair metal, like yeah. almost like commercial metal. Yeah. Pop and and metal. You, you make you make a good point. Let's let's the reality is David Lee Roth was a terrible singer. He was a showman. He was a front a showman. Man. Totally. And Sammy Hagar's a musician. And his voice can be a little like a cheese grater on a spinal cord at times. No no question about it. Yep. Yep. Totally. Um all right. Next one. I know wrapping up my hair my son running around going crazy. All right. Favorite uh, Van Halen, Halen album. Fair warning, no question. Can't oh, wow. beat it. Yeah, I love fair warning. Again, it's it's right at the it, uh, Eddie and Dave were about to to break up. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't. Um, and actually, Kiss called. This is a pretty famous story. Gene Simmons from Kiss called and tried to get Eddie Van Halen into Kiss to replace Ace Frehley. Oh wow! Crazy. Yeah. So, and he considered it, from what I understand. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, yeah, that, there's something about the songs on Fair Warning, Unchained, Hear About It Later, Dirty Movies, uh, you know, Mean Street. That's just, it's, it's Eddie at his creative peak. It's Dave at his best. And everybody's pissed off at each other. I love that album. <laughs> Great album. But I go with, uh, I'm a purist. I love the first album, arguably the greatest right there. Rock <laughs> history. I, I, I will say that from... A to Z on that album. I mean, running with the devil, devil eruption. You really got me. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole album is is amazing. Yeah. Um, it is, and I can listen to that over and over and over. No question. Um, and like you said, it it sounds as fresh today as it did in 1978. You bet, Melissa. So since. Since I'm a little younger than everybody on this podcast, I'm from the generation. A lot younger. A lot younger. A lot younger. From the generation where we consume music by singles. So I feel like my introduction to them was like through my dad, because after he would get tired of Radio Disney for an hour and hearing like the hamster song, he'd be like, all right, that's enough of this crap. We're going to put on real music. So he would like make me listen to Led Zeppelin and the Rolling Stones and Vale Halen. So it's like, I would hear those top 40. So like right now I just discovered like Ice Cream Man and that like acoustic intro, and then like when Eddie like lights up his electric guitar, it's so good. But I love Dance the Night Away, like being on a back with your friends friends like sipping alcohol trading stories and stuff like that's just such a cool chill song so i can't name an album but i'll definitely check out your recommendations though that's for sure well it sounds like you've got some songs that you know melissa so my final question is favorite van halen song (gasps) so i had an idea this was coming and i'm going to do it by era my favorite David Lee Roth era song is Unchained. To me, that okay. is the epitome of Van Halen. It's the perfect mix of Eddie's musical virtuosity and David's buffoonery that works perfectly in a song. Um, from uh, from the Sammy Hagar years, it's got to be Humans Being, which is mm-hmm. the last song they recorded um, before they broke up. And again, that friction within the band, it, it adds a ferocity to Eddie's playing Um that just can't be beat. And from the Gary Sharon era, I wouldn't know any of those songs. <laughs> no, it, it it would have to be without you. It's a decent song, but it's about all I can take That's from that, that yeah. album. Like, hmm. <laughs> like, Poor Gary. By Sharon. all accounts, by all accounts, Gary Sharon's a nice guy, but you know, you, you can't strike lightning three times. It's hard enough to do it twice. And right. I mean, he did. They, he was good in extreme. You know, he was with. He was very extreme good for a while. Um, and you know, he was cherry picked by Van Halen and. I'm telling you, those are some big shoes to fill. All right, my okay. favorite song. This was so hard for me. I mean, there's so many great songs. Mm-hmm. You know, I had Everybody Wants. I mean, there, oh. I had a list and I was like, you know what? Little Guitars is a song that great I song. absolutely mm-hmm. love off of Diver Down. I mean, it is a tremendous song. And, you know, you know it, the, the Little Guitars mm-hmm. intro, and then it goes into yeah. 
you know, it's almost the like drum beat, the and, drum yeah. beat, and it's like a deviation from a normal Van Halen mm. song. And it's it's just so refreshing, and it just stands up. And I, anytime I hear it, and you don't hear it on radio, you never mm. hear it on radio. I just have it on my, you know, I have my DVDs, I mean my CDs and yeah. vinyl, and I just put it on. I'm just taken away to a to a time growing. It just, I feel like I'm I'm in the '80s again, you know. I get that. Such a great song. That's a great song. It's a great song. Good choice, Melissa. What about you? So, I because I love the video. It like is the pinnacle of like 1980s like MTV. I feel like, and it's hot for teacher. Just because yeah. I feel like it always makes me laugh, and then I feel like, like it just like it's so catchy that hook yeah. that I can just play that all the time and then when that video comes on like if i'll see see it it, i stop i stop and watch it because it's just so silly (laughs) i wonder what those kids are doing these days right you know all those kids sit down (laughs) all the little miniature you know kids that were representing the band i mean they're probably they're probably in their 40s now how crazy is that they're probably in rehab well yeah article with them (laughs) i i wanted to be mini eddie van halen so bad yeah did you have the mullet that's a personal question i did (laughs) i i had a glorious so did i I had a glorious mullet that went down to my shoulders and i would wear parachute pants oh i had those and a pink Oxford T-shirt with a square knit tie, kind of loose, because that's the way the ladies liked it back oh then. Oh, there you go. You got to send us. Like, I need to see this now. That's I have no physical evidence of this. <laughs> I do, actually, and I'm not sending it. All right, Bill. Well, you've been an awesome guest today. We could talk forever about yeah. pop culture and Van Halen. But um, do you have any final thoughts um, before we part today? Give a yeah, pitch. You know, t- yeah, I'm gonna give. I'm, I'm not even gonna give a pitch. I'm just gonna say, if there's something that scares you, and you what you want to do it, push past the fear and do it. Every good thing I've ever done has been a result of me telling the inner voice in my head that I'm not good enough, that I'm not smart enough, that no one's gonna like it. Telling that voice to shut up. That was whether that's putting content out there, which is scary, putting my own thoughts out there, whether it's uh, putting my personal writings out there, which I've done many times, whether it's starting a business, um, push past that fear because everybody has got something magical inside them that the world is just waiting to embrace. Push past that fear and you'll be a lot happier for it. Well said, Bill. Yeah, thank well you so said. much for your time. This was awesome. Hopefully we'll get to see you in person soon. Hopefully. I hope so. I'll be at the yeah. next, I think might be at ASI Chicago, but I don't know who's going to be there. So we'll, we'll see. We will. So Awesome. All right, Bill. Well, well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time today. Take care. Thank you guys. You guys are great. Thank you.